such a sweet, sweet thing to lay got a hold of me. Open doors for little old ladies, I help the blind to see. I got no friends cause they read my Twitter, and they can't be seen with me. And I'm getting real shot down and I'm feeling mean. No more Mrs. Brightside. No more Mrs. Glee. No more Mrs. Brightside. They say I'm sick. I'm a Alright guys, you're listening to Mrs. Brightside, where the glass is always half full, and I hope that the um, microphone is better. This was the Christmas gift I bought for myself before Christmas, which is when we're recording this. But I'll shut the fuck up now, because I've got a very special guest who came all the way from New York. Yeah. But, but not for this. Yeah, just for <laughs> yeah. this specific. Yeah. Yes. All right, so introduce yourself. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Dan Lamort. I'm a comedian from New York. I've been to L.A. for a few weeks, considering moving out here, so it's been a important trip so far. Yeah, well, the weather is certainly better. I, I had a choice of moving to L.A. or New York, and I'm like, I feel like I'm more of a New York person Especially coming from Dallas, which is yeah. a little bit more fast-paced. L.A. is very slow. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. so slow here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it really moves. In, it moves slower than anyone could have described to me. And that's yeah. why I love it so much. Well, Because uh, I grew up in New yeah. York. And oh, yeah. From so, Brooklyn. So, like, oh, my, wow. my entire life has just been speed. It's just on fast-forward. So, I'm, I want to go into a regular speed. Which, you know, that's good. And, and so, yeah, if you already know that about L.A., then it's like, yeah, you know, the weather's better. It's just way slower. And if that's yeah, what you want. Weed's legal, go, which is yeah. huge for me. Uh, I'm a big proponent of marijuana. Um, and in New yes. Jersey, still very strict. Really? Yeah. New yeah. York, it's a little more accepted. Like, it, you could be on the street with it. But just the fact that you can walk into stores here blows my mind. And you have, yeah. like, your own bartender. I know they call themselves Bud Tenders, which yes. is such a cheesy name, but it's so funny. I know, but I love the little cheesy, funny aspects. Like I, I remember, L.A. is so yeah. extra, and that's yeah. what I love about it. Like, I was at a vegan uh, f- f- uh, frozen yogurt place yesterday that had valet parking. <laughs> I know. And I need that in my life. I need a place that's as extra as I am, because I'm the <laughs> same way. See, and so you'll love L.A., because that was me. It was like, especially, like, New York is a little bit more put together like Dallas, but L.A. and Dallas are very similar in the fact that they are super extra. And, yeah. like, you know, there's valet parking at fucking Equinox in <laughs> Dallas. Like, there's a level of douche factor that is here. Yeah. Plus, I don't know what winter is. And if you have spent your life with winter, yeah, yeah. fuck that. Because in, in New York, the, the it's like check the douche factor at the door. Yeah. But, like, down here, I want to walk outside with my Versace glasses and my nice <laughs> shoes. And I want people to think I'm Action Bronson and get TMZ to stop me. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I I have no shame in hiding the fact that this is the life I would love. (laughs) Yeah, and two, what I find is being a girl, I get better service if I just look straight up homeless. Because, like, (laughs) someone once thought I was on a Ferris when I had blonde hair. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, because they think you're a celebrity. It's like, I get the best service looking homeless. (laughs) Everyone out here is someone. Like, even every... Almost every Uber driver I've had so far is somehow in show business. Yeah, because, I mean, no one can... Act. People don't get that people can't make money out here, really. So no. everybody's an Uber driver. Yeah, or you're not making or, money out here yeah. until you yeah. are making a yeah. ton. It's none or all. 
That's the way I've... But that's New York, too. You either have none of the money or all of the money. Yeah, I feel like New York and L.A. have what I call the extra layer of poor. That you don't really have so much in Dallas or Chicago or some of the other smaller markets. Yeah, like where people wouldn't believe the things you deal with to tell them. Yeah. Like today, the place I've been staying in L.A., recently it's been brutal. But it is so tiny... Like, not even to make a cheesy joke, like, if someone wanted to rob me because I just leave the window open, they would have to ask me to leave the room first. <laughs> like, there's there's no room for anything. And that, I, it fascinates me. I've never lived like that before. Because I yeah. still live with my parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. But in New York, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, they probably have a nice, in Brooklyn, they have houses where they have that's the and Yeah. Stuff. That's what the cool thing yeah. about out here is, because in New York, in the city, there's no houses, but then yeah. you go to Brooklyn, here it's just beautiful apartments, then a massive house, and uh, a Range Rover every corner. There's so yeah. many Range Rovers here. I've never seen more in my life. <laughs> it's like the mascot of LA. The Range Rover. That always reminds me of Dennis on uh, It's Always Sunny. Do you watch that? Yeah, like, oh yeah. my god, that's one of my favorite 93 shows. 93 Range Rover. <laughs> that, that rum ham episode should be like uh, eternally held in the highest regard of sitcoms. Oh yeah. It's, it's such a good show that doesn't get the love it does. I, think, I like the nitty and grittiness of it. I do too. Like Because some people are like, well, it's just a bunch of people yelling at each other. I'm like, yeah, but what's wrong with that? Like, yeah, And I, two, it's brilliant. I remember I was in a pitch meeting once, and they were talking about those guys. And they originally had that show as they were all a, a group of actors. They were friends, <laughs> and they were actors. But Entourage came out at the same time they were pitching. So they had to rewrite the entire thing as oh, they just wow, owned yeah. a bar. So that was literally just supposed to be like Entourage, but it ended up working out so good for them. Yeah, because, too, like, the fact that, like, they're not actors sort of makes them the twinge more likable, even though they're all horrible, but I love it. Except <laughs> Charlie. Like, to me, Charlie is, yeah. the, is the little innocent yeah. one. Yeah, he's only awful because yeah. it's an accident. He yeah. doesn't mean to do what he does. <laughs> no, or, like, because, like, whenever they do the episode with the inner monologues of, like, Charlie and Dee, and Charlie was just like... Oh, wait, they're talking. I should just call Dee a bitch or something. Like, like, he's like, oh, wait, I drifted off. What should I do here? It's, it's like in those old Brian Regan bits when Brian does the dumb voice. That's yeah. like what Charlie is in that show. <laughs> yes. It's just perpetually the Brian Regan dumb voice. Oh, God. I could talk about it. It's always sunny all uh, day or just, you know, the, the extraness that is L.A. Yeah. But we came here to talk about... A serious thing. Yeah, I wanted to get serious. <laughs> Especially, you know, it felt like the right time to talk about mental health. Because, you know, Pete Davidson posted a suicide yeah. note yesterday. And I, I know Pete a bit. And obviously in this world, everyone knows mental health issues. Yeah. So uh, I figured, why not talk about it? Especially considering I got into a fight with the actor Michael Rappaport about this know. exact topic like, that's yesterday. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I did. I like him. I think he's yeah, a funny dude, and uh, I just thought he made a bad joke doing like an impression of Pete Davidson after Pete posted the suicide note. So I called him yeah. out for being a dick, and then he tried to make a joke back, but all of my tweets landed harder than his <laughs> did, which is funny because he has so many more followers. But yeah. I didn't mean to start a fight. I just It's something I'm very passionate about. And two, you know, Michael seems like the type of guy who will take it in stride. Like, I don't yeah, and I'm sure he knows mental yeah. health yeah, issues. Exactly. And I, I, I deleted the tweet where I yeah. quoted his tweet and called him out. I was like, I'll just leave what I posted, and yeah. I won't, I won't promote this. But uh, yeah, because you know, I've spent probably. I tell people as a joke, but it's true. I was in therapy. I think before I could even spell therapy. I don't think oh, I too. knew how to spell the <laughs> yeah. word when I was in it. And some of my earliest memories are sitting in a therapist's office playing Uno, 
trying to figure out why my brain was so weird. <laughs> and then uh, I spent most of my life mentally ill and uh, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder. Uh, up until, you know, high school, college, I was in a mental institution in high school, uh, crisis intervention afterwards in college. And then 2017, I had a traumatic brain injury, crashed my car really hard. Oh, my God. And mental illness has been uh, increased huge recently. It's been so much better, weirdly enough. It, it, it's weird to be like, I think I have the cure, but it is... Traumatic brain injury. Yeah, it is cure. a tough uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I feel like I've been able to look at mental health from two totally different angles. Because I have it from when life was much more difficult, when from things are a little bit better now. And uh, a lot of times I'll do podcasts on mental health and whatnot. Uh, it's so hard to talk about, though, because everyone has such a unique experience. Yeah. Like, and- what I find depressing might not be for someone else and vice versa oh i know and and i think that's where some people don't get it because i know like i has like because i'm very much a strong person in the fact that i i talk about it a lot because that's essentially what this podcast is is cognitive behavioral therapy but in a way of like i don't feel like people should be want i mean i'm one of those people that probably you know had i not thought better and do this probably would have said similar things to michael rapaport a long time ago when i realized because not everybody is going to deal with stuff like me. Yeah. And like how I just man up and go about it, you know, using that phrase. I know it's not PC, yeah. but it's one of those things that it's just like nut up or shut up is how I was raised. And it was just yeah. like, okay. But now it's more like, okay, yes, you could see Pete's comments as manipulative. But he really could be crying out for help, too. And don't... Yeah. Don't be a dick. Oh, see, I yeah. Pete is like severely mental. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I, I know him yeah. from just hanging around different clubs in the city, and that's why I felt like uh, the need to stand up for him because, like that, he's a really genuine kid who yeah, de- that's good like, to hear. He yeah. just deals with his problems the way he, you know, everyone who's mentally ill does it, uh, filters it out somehow, and sometimes he says some stupid shit. Yeah. But like uh, there was, it was wild to see when him and Ariana broke up. Like, there was a genuine high amount of messages telling him to go kill himself. Yeah. That fascinates me. What is wrong with people? Yeah, like, there are literally people who are sitting at home, and though they're hiding behind fake accounts and probably don't realize the extreme of it, like, even someone like me, for instance, doesn't have a massive following, a good amount, but, like, if someone shits on me, it still gets sent right to my phone. I see all the nasty stuff people say. Oh, why not? And as tough as I am and whatnot, sometimes you internalize it. Like, after 10 people tell you to go kill yourself in a day, in the back of your head, it starts to manifest. Well, and two, I don't think people understand that, you know, social media is good in one sense because, you know, like John Cryer, especially reaching out to Pete Davidson really, you know, and that's what I was like. I'd rather be a good person than the person making fun of him. Yeah, you'd rather be the guy who does try to reach out. exactly. And it's just like, okay, because I get capitalizing on a joke and comedians, but, you know, when so many of us kill ourselves, shouldn't we want to help and support each other? Yeah, because that's kind of like mental health. Uh, is the only reason yeah. modern stand-up comedy exists. If Pryor oh, didn't yeah. get on stage and open up about his dark side, or if Woody, as weird as he is, yeah. if Woody Allen didn't get up there and talk about anxiety and his neuroses, like they brought mental health to the mainstream. And it's it's crazy to think that in stand-up comedy, mental health has been mainstream since the 70s. Yeah. But as far as the world goes, it's still totally okay to make fun of mental illness. It's not fully accepted, I don't think. 
there's still so many stigmas behind it. Well, and two, like so many of these people who are probably telling Pete Davidson to kill himself probably suffer themselves, and this is not okay, but it's just like, where do we get on these people the help they need as well as Pete? Yeah, there's so much help that needs to go around, and like, I feel like the current social media, the way things work, everyone just shitting on each other. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if this is exactly what is helping. (laughs) No, and, and two, it's like, you know, as I say, I'd rather focus on the bright side of social media, like with John Cryer or, you know, other people, like what I tweeted, because it was just like, you know, no, I'm not going to say what Pete is doing is wrong, because it's not, but I was just pointing out the fact of, like, I remember when Anthony Bourdain took to Instagram, and Chris Cornell, and Robin Williams, yeah. let's stop virtue signaling on here, and start using one of those green apps on our phones to talk or text someone privately. I'm sure yeah. they'd appreciate it. And I was like, that's a way of telling people, like, some people don't post Instagram, but even if they do, this yeah. is not necessary. Yeah. yeah. Just talk to people privately, and don't don't use this as a platform. Because some people yeah. use it as a platform to make themselves look better, whether being mean or being too false virtuously. Yeah. You know? I think social media, you know, and as much as it could be bad, it also has, like, some of the nicest messages that I've ever gotten the darkest times come from random people on Twitter. Like, I'll have an awful day and, like, a bunch of people tell me nasty stuff. Then I'll get that one message who's like, hey, you know, I've been going through some tough times and seeing your post at the end of every night makes things a little bit better. I get a good laugh from it. Thank you. And, like, oh, that's why this exists. Because at the end of the day... In my life, at least, one positive comment outweighs numerous negative ones. And that, to me, is why I know a lot of people love to shit on social media. And I do think that it may, it does, you know, hinder on some of the increased, you know, suicide rates. I I mean, obviously, there is a correlating factor with the way people treat people. But like you say, I'd rather focus on that one positive comment. Exactly. And And at the end of the day, I don't have a career without social media. Exactly. The that's only reason <laughs> I sell tickets is because of online. So yeah, that's that's it, you take the good with the bad, and I think you know that is what I started doing as a whole after the car accidents. I was just like, I learned how to see things. Be like, all right, this could be bad, but then there's this that came out of it, and like up until that point, that was never a thing that existed in my life. It was I saw it this way or that way. I never had the ability to see both things. Whoa! So. And then I crashed, and yeah. I was like. I think I should start looking at everything a bit more. Make sure I'm making the right choices. So you're saying that cognitive behavioral therapy really does work. Well, it's oh, podcast. Yeah. This it weekend, does. thank you for not coming up this podcast and saying, talking about things positively, it doesn't do things. Oh, no, I'm a no, big believer like, in yeah, positivity. Because yeah, yeah. that's happened before. Especially just making out. positive yeah. changes. You oh, know, yeah. just, like, I recently just, something as simple as, like, I got celiac disease. And instead of right away, like, just being like, oh, this is miserable, I wrote a bunch of bits on it, got a, f- got a lot of likes out of it. And then, like, I started losing weight, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, sure, I can't eat what I wanted to, but the positives are already here. I know. I'm like, God, thank God for you being able to talk positively about that, because I love Chinese food so much, I think I would probably die. Yeah, well, luckily, yeah. my favorite meal from Chinese uh, places is rice, and yeah. that I could have. Good, yeah. So I've just been eating a lot of rice. <laughs> And a lot of chicken and eggs, and that's about it. But if you move to LA, everything's gluten free here. Yeah, there is a lot. It's been a there's been a I went to a good dumpling place and tried vegetables that I didn't even know existed for the first time, uh, all because of celiac disease. So there's a bright side. I literally tried trying new things that I would never have once put in my mouth. 
experimental. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, I could make a dirty joke there, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are staying in West Hollywood. <laughs> yes, I love it. It fits me. My vibe yeah. on stage is very much, yeah. no one knows what the hell I am. So that, That's always a fun way works, I do that, too. Yeah, yeah, it works well for the crowds out here. Yes, because everyone here is fluid. <laughs> yeah, that's a new term that I'm yeah. learning, gender yeah. fluid. It's uh, it's just not judgmental out here. Yeah. You know, in New York, there's this weird stigma about coming out here that uh, it, it's there's less shows and whatnot, and bless you, and no, uh, the crowds are, are worse, and it's like, it's that's not. True. Yeah, I, so, I think yeah. the crowds are yeah. great out here. They're, they literally give you so many chances. I've seen some awful bits yeah. get some legs here because the crowd is like, we'll give it a try. Yeah, too, because uh, where have you been out here? Because, like, the, the comedy store, if you get, like, a bunch of tourists, you're going to get a gay crowd. But yeah. the, 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 I do a lot of the old yeah. scene, like Hot exactly. Tub at the oh, yeah, those are good. Chatterbox. Yeah, I do. I, I did a lot of fun shows. Yeah, the there. alt scene, yeah, and that's why. That, that's a better scene. That's what I do, too. Because yeah. to me, the clubs here, that's what people are talking about. Is yeah. because it's all comics and they're all dicks because they all haven't made it in the 10 years they've been out here. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I I've only done a few of the clubs. I mostly. It's yeah. funny though, because in New York, I'm a club comic yeah. by all means. But what I do at the clubs in New York doesn't work in the New York alt rooms. Yeah. What I do in the clubs in New York does fine in the L.A. alt rooms. Does fine in the L.A. clubs because the people here are so much more relaxed. They're like, yeah, we'll just whatever. watch funny stuff. Yeah, we don't care what they're doing. I mean, as long as they make yeah. us laugh. Yeah. And that that to me is just so nice. They see. They see something, they're like, we'll just give him a chance. In New York, right off the bat, they're like, we don't like this kid, and he hasn't opened his mouth yet. Oh, wow. To some places, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, depending on how people... They're judging. Yeah, it's less judgy out here, which is good. Uh, I And everyone's on their phones, which is fun. <laughs> I like seeing everyone distracted. <laughs> At the end of the yeah. day, that's all it is. Everyone's distracting themselves. And that is what people do. What did they call it on South Park? It was like the box you put over your head and blanking on the name. But yeah, yes, yeah. I got I recently got yeah. back into South Park as because I I recently became a stoner again as an yeah. adult. Yeah, I was as in high school, gave it up for a while, and since giving up liquor, I was like, let me really come back to this heavy. Same, like I didn't give up liquor, but I never was a big liquor person. I mean, I like you know the dark ones. But, yeah, you know, and I don't see the point in vodka. No, I do. Very yeah. much so. All of the points. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like a lot of my friends in the mental health world were like, yeah. uh, you shouldn't smoke to self-medicate. To be honest, bringing weed back into my life has made my mental health much better. And I know I'm not supposed to say that as someone who strongly believes in people getting help, but it, I don't need to take sleeping pills anymore. I don't yeah. need to take my anxiety medicine much unless I'm smoking weed in public. Then I need to do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, when I was in high school, I mean, and my mom, who, if you can hear this in the other room, she's visiting for Christmas, Yeah. Um, she would let us smoke pot because instead of being on the psychiatric drugs we were and we were yeah. younger, when we started smoking weed, it was like, you know what, that works so much better and it's less side effects, no one's trying to kill for anyone, real. you're not trying to kill yourself, and yeah, I it took, is what it is. I struggled writing when I was on uh, meds because yeah. it just, it robbed me, me of creativity. That was why I was so depressed as a teenager, you know, because it made my depression worse, putting yeah. me on antidepressants because I was just numb. And then... Yeah. And I often think that, you know, so many times people who don't understand mental health, uh, not not to use the name of the podcast, but like my dad used mm-hmm. to, when I was a kid, he would always say, just look on the bright side of things. Yeah. <laughs> and part of me always oh, wanted to be freeze. like, part of me always wanted to be like, 
Yeah, but you guys are making me take these pills, which literally, it's like having sunglasses on. I've seen no brightness. Yeah. So sometimes I wonder if that for a few years really hindered me being able to look at things as a whole. Because once I was taking that medicine, everything seemed focused in on just gray. It was just yeah. whatever. Anything could happen. And then once I got off that, I think that's when I finally was able to... Because after the car accident is also when I stopped taking my medicine. I went gung-ho into really attempting self-help. Like uh, I stopped going to therapy. I stopped taking my meds. And uh, I just focused on looking at each situation from two different sides and seeing if there could be a positive in it. And if there was, that's automatically what I focused on and just tried to attain that goal instead. And because it was, it was really an adjustment because my brain doesn't work the way it used to. I stutter now. I lose my place all the time. I forget words, names, uh, places. Uh, that was never a thing. I was always smart, very sharp. Uh, so learning to readjust, to that was the hardest one at first. Uh, because mentally I thought I was just so much more dumb. And then I was like, oh, no, you just have something unique to talk about now. This no. is just extra bits on stage. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me because, you know, I was a child prodigy, but I've had quite a few head injuries myself. Yeah. And, like, you know, you get, but a lot, but you sort of realize, like, you know, child prodigies as a rule tend to just even out anyway. I mean, yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, the world, I don't think, is caught up to either one of us. I mean, <laughs> you know, we both seem like pretty, you know, together individuals. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is one of those things that it's like, dude, how do you deal with the loss of that? Do yeah. you watch The Flash? Sorry, I'm a big nerd. No, I oh, don't. okay. I was like, Dr. Wells, you should see his. And, like, it was like, oh, this reminded really? me of a Flash storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of just, that's the story of my life. Huh. You know, before comedy, I was a big yeah. baseball player. Uh, I, I, I was uh, always a jock growing up. Uh, I was heavily recruited out of high school. And then my freshman year of college, I was on a full scholarship. I blew up my elbow, tore my UCL, had uh. a botch surgery. Never played again, lost my scholarship, and just lost baseball. I played baseball from 4 to 18. And then, like, literally within three months, I had to step back and be like, you got to piece everything together now. You can't afford college. You're not smart enough to finish school. You were always a jock. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? And I was like, why don't you just do an open mic tonight? And then I just did it. And then I was like, well, dedicate everything to this. And now a word from our sponsors. If you have a career in the arts, wouldn't you rather be working on your craft than trying to build your own website? That's why RadPortfolios.com creates affordable, custom websites for artists. It's super easy and totally all-inclusive. When you book a role, have a show coming up, or get new headshots you want to put up on your website, you just send the info over and your website gets updated at no additional charge. Starting at just $99 a month, they take care of your hosting, domains, security certificates, and just about any update you want to make your site. Use code BRIGHTSIDE, that's one word, for half off your website startup. Radportfolios.com. Affordable custom websites for artists so you can get back to getting booked. Yeah, that's what I find. And I never took the time to process the past trauma. (laughs) Well, that this is our overcoming trauma and things like that. Because, like, you know, most of us, too, that are really, you know, you know, not to toot my own home, but just most people I know, I'll just say, that are good comics are comics who came to it when they didn't really have much of anything else. I mean, and I know I was the same way because... I mean, I, you know, had dealt with that loss of athletics and yeah. stuff at younger because I was a gymnast and you peak yeah. at 14 anyway, but then I got a horrible injury. And yeah. 
definitely not going to go to the Olympics after that or yeah. anything like that. But then that's when I went through all that depression and blah, blah, blah. Then I dropped out of high school. Then I went to college. And yeah. College, I was disappointed in, I think, a lot. And so I, you know, going to film school, wanting to come out, you know, yeah. and do a lot of stuff. But then I got depressed again and majored in sort of my own therapy, which is why I do this, <laughs> like psychology. And, you know, I rushed out of college trying to get a job. But I couldn't get a job because I got a black name. <laughs> and it'd be funny to go into the interviews. Um, you'd only get called in for the ones they were trying to fill a quota for. Oh. And so, yeah, I had to start doing jobs with headshots. And that's how I found comedy. <laughs> so I'm like, I always find it interesting when you have people. I'm like, yeah, it's sort of the same way. It's like, well, what can I do? I'm like, I can do these open mics. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you just stumble upon it. Yeah. And then you either get bitten or you don't. And I got bitten when I was 18. Oh, I've never you, you left. caught you early, yeah. Yeah, it did. Uh, I often wonder what it would have been like if it didn't. <laughs> if I did, you know, instead of, you know, when all my friends were partying as sophomores in college turning 21 uh, or 20 years old, I was on the road in Virginia not being allowed to sit in the club because I was too young because there was a bar in the room. And was only allowed to walk in when I could go on stage. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that that was a lot that happened multiple times, mm. you know. And it for me, it, it forced me to grow up so quickly. Because I went from being a partier jock type to being like, Oh, by the way, you're an adult now who's mm. on the road and touring and doing stand up and trying not to be poor. Yeah, I mean and honestly trying not to be four and being forced to be an adult is what gives us the skills that sadly a lot of our generation don't have because yeah. we didn't have that. Yeah, it's uh I definitely uh am happy that I found it when I did. I don't I couldn't yeah. imagine trying to attempt it as a twenty three year old or twenty two year old when I had already gone through four years of fun. Because I just had one year and then was able to adjust to kind of a grind lifestyle. Yeah, luckily for me, I literally did just about every drug imaginable and all sorts of stuff in high school. So yeah. by the time I got to college, I was like, no, nah, I'm paying for this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do this right. That's why I didn't even really smoke pot. I drank a lot, but yeah. you know. Yeah, I was. Uh, I recently gave up drinking because of the celiac, but that was always my go-to. That was yeah. the big one. I was 12 years old, I think. I just loved alcohol. I know, I love beer so much, that's why I'm like, I, I, my heart hurts for you. First you had to flush yeah. the weed, and now you can't drink Yeah, the flushing of the weed was tough. Yeah. To be honest, the funniest part about that yeah. story, which I didn't tweet for legal <laughs> reasons, was that the one thing she didn't tear through my bag was my glasses case, and there was so much ecstasy in that. <laughs> yeah. That was the funniest part about the whole, the funniest tweet that could have happened from that. I couldn't oh, yeah. even tweet because I would get arrested. That's so funny. Yeah, she uh, she dumped over 10 grams of weed without realizing she could have literally arrested me on the spot with the ecstasy I had. I just can't believe they wouldn't let you travel. I mean, nothing yeah. here. I mean, I see people ever in the metro, like to Union Station, when I took the Amtrak to San Diego for Comic-Con, and it was like... There was a woman straight up rolling a blunt on the train. Yeah, like, I mean, no I've, one cares. I've in Jersey yeah. where it's illegal. I've yeah. walked on the bus with weed before, yeah. or my pen hit the, and it's no one cares. And this, especially I've ne even the Port Authority in New York yeah. City, the biggest bus terminal, I've never seen someone be subjected to a double random bag search. Yeah, it was very odd. It, it didn't. It felt. It felt personal. Yeah, and she gave me like in. I did tweet it. She gave me two other options, which was find a friend to bring it to LA for you, which I told her I was a visitor. I knew yeah. no one in San Diego. 
or she said, "Come back. You, I could let you leave with this for 24 hours, then you have to be back here tomorrow." And I was like, "You can't give me a time constraint on my life." No, I mean, it, like, it, what the hell? And Greyhound has refused to yeah. comment. Uh, I am a douchey person, so I'll probably have like one of my lawyer buddies contact them <laughs> just to fuck with them. <laughs> See that? That's what you got to. I'm just so mad at that. It, and it was like it wasn't like it was. Some of it was weed I bought yeah. from a dispensary, which was expensive. But, like, yeah. that was stuff from fans of mine yeah, they who came me. out and yeah. gave me, like, one of the dudes who booked me in San Diego gave me eight grams alone of his homegrown weed. And then wow. he just flushed it down the toilet, Ugh. this woman. They're not so kind when it's, like, homegrown. It, yeah. You know. To be honest, no bright side to that. No. There no. is. I'm sorry. That <laughs> yeah. guy for this podcast, there is no bright Maybe side. Maybe the bright side is that, like, a fish in a sewer got a little buzz going from yeah. 10 grams of weed. But that would be it because that weed just went from dank to ruined within seconds. Ugh. God. Fuck Greyhound. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not a big bus guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm too bougie. Uh, <laughs> my friend that I went down there with. Yeah bought us the tickets so i was like yeah i'll go on the bus with you never again like uh, he was like what's the worst that could happen and i literally think the yeah. worst that could happen did outside happen. of death did happen yeah. and then on the way back there was just two i was in such a bad mood and i'm usually so good with kids and there was two kids in the seat in front of me and they like were looking over to like play games and i just stood at them with a death stare <laughs> like that it like the stare like, couldn't have said that. more like turn the fuck around little kid and leave me alone for the next three and a half hours. And he did. No. He didn't turn around one more time. That's how bad I... I, I gave him such a nasty look Aww. that I put fear into his heart. Well, yeah, oh, that, was, that was a really hard situation. Like, yeah, again, you like, gotta do yeah, what you gotta my, do. My real empathy for that, I'm like... <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to flush that much weight. You know, I've been good. I've never had to flush drugs before. Yeah, I don't think I have either. That's how I was thinking. I've had to flush liquor before. I've had to flush liquor when I got caught in college. And that doesn't feel as bad. No. Because beer going down the toilet kind of is going where it belongs anyway. (laughs) Most of my liquor ended up in the toilet anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know. It's like uh, part of my act is like I. will be unprepared. I'll just have people write things on a card and just riff off whatever they were. Like, there was one, like, the the whole thing was horrible thing. I'm like, write something horrible. And the last one was, like, barf. And I was just like, all right, this is something I do a lot. <laughs> that's funny. It's like, when you drink, you, you know, I always, that's why I like having parties at my own house because then it's like, then I don't mind passing out and throwing up. It sucks yeah. I have to clean it up, but. I've gotten uh, strangely very good at throwing up. Yeah. Like, I would list it as a skill. I control uh, accuracy. I know how to tuck the beard. I oh, mean, yeah. I, there's the skill is uh, on the way to LA, on the way to the airport. I got sick, pulled off to the side of the road, threw up like eight times, got in the car, and flew. No one knew I threw up that day. Yeah, I remember when my boyfriend in high school said that I was a very classy puker because <laughs> I just opened the car door when we were at a light. Threw up outside, you know, and all key is, ladies, always wear your hair up when you think you might throw up. <laughs> and then it doesn't get in there. But then I just threw up, wiped my mouth, took a vent, and like, act like nothing yep. happened. He's like, yep. very just classy keep, puker. Keep the day yep. going. Nope. I don't know what they call it in Dallas, but in Jersey, it's called rally puking. Oh. You oh, just yeah. uh, boot, uh, boot yeah. rally. You get out the bad stuff so you can keep drinking more. That's if you plan on drinking more. You got to rally yeah. puke. You always plan on drinking more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore, but there yeah. was a time yeah. where yeah. that was, the goal was just, even this past summer when I was on tour, I drank so yeah. much. And I, I felt like it was enough to justify giving it up now. Like, I was like, oh, I've done alcohol. Yeah. 
I've, I've, I've really lived it up. <laughs> I know, that's me too. I'm like, especially because I turned 30 back in October. And on my 30th birthday, I mean, I remember waking up and puking and just being like, yeah, like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, uh, I got my, my first attempt at sobriety was my 21st birthday. I was one of those kids who the day you could legally drink, I was like, I shouldn't. Well, yeah, like, that's a lot of comics. Was it Greg Fitzsimmons in even Bobcat? Wasn't he, like, sober pretty early on? Yeah. I mean, it it lasts, I'm 23 now, and this is when I'm fully sober. I mean, the first time it lasted four months, I think. uh, 21's a tough age, because... There's no actual way to justify being sober at 21 because you're still alive at 21. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you if you haven't received a debilitating injury due to liquor, you shouldn't quit it at 21. Yeah, like, I would say that's that's losing, guys. Like, come on. No. Yeah, I mean, that's... it. Uh, what I've learned is it takes to getting to 23 to really damage your yeah. liver. So enjoy 21 and 22, and then by yeah. 23 you will have fatty liver disease. I'm telling you this as a friend and uh, a recipient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Especially at 30, you should not be drinking so much. But yeah, I think that's I... why on my last party on Friday night, guys, I only had two scotch and coffees. <laughs> <laughs> only two. Only that's two. Good. And there was coffee in it, though, so it negates exactly. some, somewhat of it. Yeah, I mean, I it know. had to be coffee. It was a David yeah. Lynch Coffee, party. not a big yeah. drinker. I've never really? had a glass of yeah. coffee in my life. Whoa. And I you feel like a glass of coffee. Yeah, like, a cup, a glass, yeah, whatever you guys have mug. these days. Whatever the kids <laughs> yeah, are doing these know. days. I was like, you can tell you're not a drinker. Yeah, which I, it's funny because I grew up working in my dad's deli making people yeah. coffee since I was like 12 years old. But never liked it uh, and uh, never even tasted it. And I think it's good because I've tried almost everything else. Yeah. And at least have one habit that I haven't. Because I know I'm addicted to everything. I try yeah. it and I'll have 18 cups, glasses. I know. Like, coffee's one of those things that I do like it, but I do, other than cocaine, I do not like uppers <laughs> for whatever. Because, but I will say, cocaine is fun, but don't, don't do it too much, kids. Um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm, not important a, things. I'm not a cocaine guy. Yeah. Well, I just hate, uh, I don't know why, but like, meth, I remember trying it because that's what you do in East Texas, and I'm like, why do people, like, ruin their lives for this? <laughs> yeah. This is boring. But coffee's one of those things that it's like, I just want a little bit. Like, yeah. Two cups is the max. I don't get people who can sit there and drink, but then they're the same people who love uppers. And I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, my dad I'm has a chill. cup of coffee before he goes yeah. to sleep. Yeah. Like, like, he could drink a cup or two and then go right to bed like it's no problem. I like to do a cup of coffee in the afternoon and take a nap right after and get up. And then, because that's, that's a good way of doing it. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I would have no idea. Yeah. Because I just, I wake up and then I get stoned, but I'm, yeah. I'm realizing that it's not super beneficial if you smoke the wrong kind of weed. <laughs> I know, because that's me. It's like, I always just smoke sativa. If I ever have an indica, it is only for Yeah, I accidentally yeah. mix my indicas together sometimes, so yeah. I, I don't know what I'm getting. But uh, I try to keep all my joints sativa, because if it's indica, like, I'll just be... It's almost like an antidepressant for the day. Yeah, it's like... But in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Everything is kind of... You hear in, like, a wintry Christmas cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just... Kind of gray and drawn like, out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or like more like the Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Like when I was on stage last night, I realized I was like, I'm, I'm talking out loud doing bits. And in my head, I'm like, I have no idea what my voice sounds like right now. 
That's all I was thinking during the set. I was like, I'm so fucked up that I have no idea what's coming out of this microphone right now. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing is like, I don't ever like really buy a lot of indica, but it, but then there'll be a time it's like, no, I, I feel like that today. But usually it's like sativas and everything. Yeah, I smoked yeah. indica this morning. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it was all I had left minus those joints, and I. Their pre-rolls and they're pretty yeah. intense. Oh, nice. They're like a yeah. gram pre-roll, so you got to be careful with it. Oh, I smoked them. <laughs> like, all of that's... I have, like, such a high tolerance. That's yeah, I smoke the full gram joints, yeah. which I love, but, yeah. like, i got to be careful with it if it's, like, nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I know. I try not to wake and bake anymore, but, like, I'll... I'll I, wake and like, bake the pen. Yeah. Because I feel like the pen's a nice smooth high, and it, it's somewhat tolerable. Yeah, I just need something that makes me not want to throw up in the morning. Yeah. I know. I to be honest, before coming out here, I'd given up flour. I oh, just yeah. all the pen. And then I was like, this is all I need. And then I came out here and I rediscovered just how beautiful flour is. How much yeah. better butt is. I know. And that to me is like, I like the pen and I like edibles. There are certain things like I love the little uh, chocolate covered espresso beans. Those are perfect. But nothing beats just smoking the joint. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, it's like, it, nah, it's nothing still the best. Nothing beats joints. Yeah. It's the best. Or blunts. It, blunts are pretty Joints, too. blunts, either. It's just rolled up is the way to go. Yeah. I like bowls, bongs. I like the pen, but. It's like Chipotle. You know what? The burrito, sorry, guys, is the way to go. A bowl, yeah. you're just being, oh, sorry. Damn Unfortunately. It, I was like, oh, man. I, 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 I miss it no, so much. No. Those burritos were so. And it's funny. The only place that's cross-contaminated me in L.A. so far has been Chipotle. Really? Because they forgot to change out the spoons and I got uh, really yeah. sick. It was oh, brutal. Man. Oh, so you got it bad. Yeah, like even if their spoon touches the burrito and then goes into my bowl, like that's what happened, I assume, because I was sick the entire day. Oh, yeah. I made it out for the show and then had to run back home and continue getting sick. Well, yeah, and too, you physically feel sick, but celiacs does cause a depression too. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, that. So it can affect so your mental health. My mental health. Yeah, because yeah, so I got diagnosed a week yeah. before coming out to LA uh, to be yeah. to get back on somewhat of a mental health track yeah. to try to bring it home. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, like I said, after the car accidents, I really convinced myself I wasn't mentally ill anymore. And it, it worked for quite some time, I would say a year. And then. Before my every summer, I do a very long tour. Uh, this summer was twenty-seven cities, and the week before, I was at my grandparents' house, talking about the tour. And then someone on the industry side of things that helps me out messaged me in a negative thing—not negative, yeah. just something I forgot yeah. to do. And you know, a year of no breaks at all. I lost it in front of my grandparents and my parents yeah. at their house, just hysterically crying. Yeah. Uh, full panic attack, had to go outside, oh, started twitching, terrible. And then I was like, it was like a huge, it was like even an even bigger weight was lifted off my shoulders. Because after the accidents, I kept trying to tell myself that I was no longer mentally ill. But that wasn't the real answer. No. The real answer was it was still there. I just learned how to cope with it better. But I didn't want to accept that until this. And then once this happened, I was like, oh, I feel even better now. And then uh, the celiac thing happened, gave up gluten a week and a half before coming out here. Been out here for three weeks, and I've just never felt more positive about life as this change has been amazing. Whether it's the gluten getting rid of some of the mental illness or just the vibe of L.A. because I needed the change because New York really was beating me down from a comedy standpoint. Uh, It's just, it's been insane out here how happy I've been. And two, I don't think people realize how much just a change of scenery really does help. Oh, it's insane. I know, like, for myself, like, when I moved to Dallas from my college town up uh, a little further north in Denton, like, it was just, like, 
there, there you get this little bit of high going somewhere else. And, yep. it, you know, it's even a little bit better than traveling. And you get to sit there. And one of my favorite things is just to explore the city. Yeah. And, like, that is, to me, something that, and like you say, you're getting to more, like, self-care and stuff like that. And that, to me, is the best thing you can do is do yeah. what you can. To I've walked yourself. probably yeah. over 20 miles yeah. since getting here. And I know everyone says yeah. no one walks in L.A. I walk all the time. Yeah. I love that. That's I love, why I like living no here. No one's on the streets here. Yeah. And I've just been, you know, at... It is spread out, but things are like within forty minutes walks of. So I've just been walking forty minutes each place, enjoying it, just taking in the weather, and it's been so good from like a mental health standpoint. Because I, you always hear about LA in New York, especially like when you, when when you're at one of those guys who can make the crossover. You always hear like, well, this is the negative, this is the positive. And then I came out here and I was like, oh, I, I believed other people's negatives. Yeah. All I had to do was see things for myself. And two, just because, like, as I'll say, I, I talk about, I'll, like, I love Dallas. I didn't leave because I didn't like it. I left because it's too comfortable. Everything's too fun. But a lot of people will go there and be like, I don't get it. And it's like, well, I mean, I like eating. And yeah. that may be why I like Dallas. Not everybody's <laughs> going to like the same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, I like, don't hate see, my hometown. Exactly. And two, but you just, you've been there. And that, yeah. to me, I'm like, I want to leave, too. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I've been in New York yeah. for a while. I've been in Jersey for a while. And you know, I I very much love each place, and I love to because I, these people who go away from where they're from and are like, "Fuck that place." It's like, I don't yeah, but that. exactly yeah. who you are is because of that place. Oh yeah, even people Tyler. don't realize yeah. like the manifestation that a town and even something as simple as the school system has in an individual. Yeah, like I will say, I still shit on the school system, the public school system I wound up in, but I don't shit on everything about yeah. it, like TISD. But yeah, like Tyler, I'm like, people are like, you don't ever talk about it too negatively. I'm like, yeah, because there were plenty of good things. Just because yeah. we were outcast of a town on the Bible Belt because we were the weird pagan family, <laughs> it was like, you know, there were still good people there. Yeah. And just hating on shit is just not cool anyway. So, and, and sometimes just moving from your comfort yeah. zone is what. Yeah brings out your greatest strength sometimes yeah. you don't know the bits or if from a comedy perspective the bits or the talents that just haven't come out because you haven't pushed yourself hard enough and that's what moving from home does is it eliminates the comfort zone and it, it lets you know like can i actually make it yeah and too like that again goes back to self-care and too self-care sometimes people is taking risk is trying something new and guess what not everything's gonna work out you may move to la and realize you don't like it exactly but no point in not trying no because i mean at the end of the day i think you would feel much better moving here and hated it than being like i wonder what would have happened if i moved to la in 2019 and that was why when i thought about moving here i asked somebody who had and had gone back to texas and i was like you know any advice he's like well you know, now's the time to do it. And you'll never know if you, you know, should yeah. have, you know, don't just sit around. And I was like, yeah, that's it. You just, you just a, do it. you're five years. I consider it home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, self-care can be that. I mean, yeah. it, it's because, uh, sometimes the falling into a schedule you think is good for you actually isn't, you know, I was yeah. doing the same things every day. And after a period of time, even the same minute thing can hurt you. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, I think complacency, because, you know, consistency is good, complacency is not, and that's where yeah. you have to draw the line, it's like, it's, I, you know, I love the fact that I get up and walk my dog every morning, like, those little routines, and then come back, you have retreats, have yeah. a cup of coffee, like, little things like that are good to have routine, but... 
you know, the same, that's the reason I love office space so much and can never do that, is that monotony of work, I would kill myself. Yeah, and it, like, uh, yeah. the, when you start, re, uh, what, 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 like, something that I would do is, I would just, after a period of time, accept bad habits as consistency. Mm-hmm. And because I am very much a creature of habit, I drive in the same lane to places, you know, if I like the way that lane drove the last time. Yeah. I like just things that generally make me feel comfortable, but sometimes, like, you'll convince yourself, like, oh, this, how I'm eating is fine. This yeah. is, it's what I do every day. It's, it, it can't hurt me because it's an everyday thing. Yeah, beer and candy and so, for dinner is perfectly so fine. So then I think you, you just the find the happy median and you just stick to it. Or don't. That's yeah. what I, I've decided yeah. to not stick to it anymore, and that's when I found happiness. But then I was coming off of happiness from sticking to. I, that's the thing. Like people always ask me, like, how am I feeling about my mental health? And I'm like, I don't think there's ever going to be a definite answer. No. Because uh, specifically from the mind of a bipolar person and someone who has a psychotic thing, like it's always different. Yeah, my, my happiness. Ch- yeah. yeah, my happiness changes on yeah. a daily basis. What brings me happiness today might make me feel bad tomorrow, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, my brother, he is severely bipolar, and he's like a different person sometimes from day to day. That's why people ask, how long do those episodes last? I'm like, you know, it can be short, or it can be like three months yeah. of mania, and like, you know, really excited about his job, yeah. and he hates it, and it's like, yeah. That's the one thing that I never got, because yeah. I have bipolar too, so I don't oh, get yeah. the mania, yeah. which I just get like the... My That's why lo- you don't like cocaine, because no, my, my yeah. brother loves cocaine, because <laughs> they're Yeah, because I get like... The my lows are incredibly low, and yeah. that's it. My highs are never high. And see, I I have major depressive disorder because yeah. I just have the lows. If exactly. only I could have the mania, bastards. Yeah. I um, wish yeah. I had some of yeah. the mania. Like my mania yeah. comes very small. Where it'll just be like dedication to a project, and I'll be like, I'm gonna get this done by the end of the day, and I'll do it. That's me. My ma- like I do make myself, I guess, a little manic, sort of forcing it just to get stuff yeah. done. Because too, like as I say, a lot of this comes from like. I have, you know, a severe feel of failure. And, too, I guess probably like yourself, when you were, like, an elite, like, whether it be an athlete or, like, a child prodigy or something when you're younger, you're instilled that you've got to fucking do better. Like, and yeah. it's uh, forcing yourself out there like that. Exactly, yeah. For me, it was always a little weird because I wasn't a good baseball player until high school. Oh, yeah. So I always stunk. And then mm-hmm. I got really good. So, like... I was always the weird one when it came to like confidence and being cocky because so much of my years were spent so bad that I never was able to buy into myself when I was doing good. And unfortunately, that's carried over into comedy. But it helps me because like after every set, I will tear apart the set, find out what went wrong, what if there was anything, what went well. I should find some of it. I'm always like, I fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I can't ever look at a set as being completely good or completely bad. Yeah. It's always broken down into individual parts. Uh, that's where my neuroses comes in. Like, I have a terrible memory since the car accidents, but I will remember each audience member's face and how they reacted to each joke somehow. Like, I'll see, if I could see them in my vision... I will remember the people in the crowd who were laughing when they laughed, how it sounded. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, that that's, uh, I think that's a bit of just being very insane, but it also helps so much. It's a little so bit of hypervigilance, I would say, which, you know, yeah. I have as well, but I'm more like, I'm very focused, like, it, it's funny, the reason I like being on stage and, like, doing more just the improv jokes, because that forces me to be in the moment and not think about everything else. If I'm yeah. sitting up there doing it completely, like, 
you know, set I wrote, I'm a late, way too focused on everything yeah. else. The the my happy middle was always uh, confusing the audience into thinking it was a well crafted hour <laughs> when it was really thirty minutes of structure, thirty about fifteen minutes of improv, fifteen minutes of just one liners that were flirting around new ideas and somehow just morphing it into. Uh, a show that somehow feels unique, but also doesn't feel like they wasted their money. Like they had a good time, they laughed. They're like, "We this was good," but we also feel like we saw something special. Because a lot of times I'll forget what I set up there. So a lot, most of the people who do see me live when I'm doing like hours, they are getting a unique show because it'll never be done the same way again. <laughs> see, and I like that, and I think that's why like I gravitate into the podcasting is to Adam Carolla's because he does like I do more like improv, like it's never the same thing. Like, yeah, because yeah, I'm like there are some people. It's like God, I you know when I've seen the same thing every time, I'll be bored. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, I have I, I I find no enjoyment in uh in. Like, there are some guys who will just, they'll write their 10 minutes and they'll stick yeah. to that 10. And don't go wrong, some of them have bypassed me, some of them have not, some of them haven't done well. But you just, comedy is so, not only unique to the audience, but to the comic. You just find yeah. what works for you. Because, like, some people have asked me for advice, or I'll sit down and I'll write with them, and we'll quickly realize that we can't write together because my method and their method, though both talented, don't just gel don't together work. at all. And then that's what I'll say to people is like not everyone works well together, but people have their own unique skill sets and you know, you know, or some do, some don't. Yeah. I mean there are there are comics. I mean there's a woman I know who's been doing the same jokes for twenty five years and I can't imagine they were funny then. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah, I think to be successful it's just process of elimination to come. You just keep hammering away until you find yeah not only what makes you comfortable on stage but in life and you yeah. just and then you just you just got to keep looking at it and be like all right well this stopped working and now i'll readjust this way and that's the interesting thing it just it, it at from a mentally ill person that it's fantastic for me because it's a job where if you're in it the work legitimately there's never an end date yeah it's forever open. I feel and, like both of those things are what make comedy and music so similar, is that you, with music and with comedy both, you can stay in it forever. Yeah. And then, but you have to learn how to change and adjust and reinvent yeah. yourself sort of way. I mean, yeah, that's why, I mean, I'm not a big Madonna fan as a person, but like certainly 80s Madonna and a lot of her music was really good or things yeah. like that. But I commend her as someone who's been able to change with music. But just like Carlin was able to change with comedy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Prior was it. I mean, yeah. some of these, uh, if you can't, and it's so hard to do because you, st- you like some of these people who started in like the 70s, for, they started as one comic and they were like, hey, you need to totally become this if you want to stay in this business. And yeah. some of them couldn't because comedy at that point was just, this is what you did. Yeah. And uh, I think we're currently in another shift of that where there's more acceptance into storytelling and uh which for me is interesting because i'm a one-liner not one-liner but a short joke encapsulated in stories but one-man shows i think are about to become the new norm in america because overseas though that's fine like in australia whatnot in england their their comedy shows are one-man shows a lot of them and that's just becoming a thing here now so i think people are gonna have to now 
Start com- comedians going to need a little bit of a theater background now. Yeah, or just like to me, just a storytelling element. You know, Andy Dick used to teach a class at Flappers here. I didn't get to take it. I wanted to, but yeah. like somebody I know did, and it was interesting. And I got to see like their final show, and yeah. you know, it was one of those things that that to me has always been better because too, like Carlin may have rehearsed a lot of that, but most of his gift was the storytelling. Same thing with Pryor. Most yeah. of these people. The reason they were so good at what they did, they were good at jokes and good at joke structure, but yeah, they didn't Carlin, have to say the no same thing. No one had more right. structure than yeah. them, man. Yeah. I remember listening to uh, Sirius XM had done a, a, a radio special on him, and his, I think it was Kelly, his, his daughter, was talking about that when he did those HBO specials, I think each special was 53 minutes or whatever the exact time was, and he knew to a T when that second would come. There was never, he just... Yeah, he was and, and, perfect. And he was still, like, you never watched his set and thought he was conversational. But, like, at the end of the day, that man knew exactly the second he was getting off stage. He knew when you were going to stop laughing. He knew when you were going to start laughing. That blows my mind. Yeah, to me, it's like, I'm trying to think of a musician who would be a good, like, parallel for Carlin. But just the person that's like, that is perfect. Yeah. No one, none of us will ever be that good. I think mm-hmm. Adele. Uh-huh. I yeah. saw Adele do yeah. like that. The, the NPR does those tiny desk concerts, and she's just sitting at a desk holding her pocketbook as if this was just a quick stop on her day, just hammering out the most insane vocals. I'm like, no one will do that. Yeah, that's a voice that just she was she given that, is. and no yeah. one else was. Yeah, and two, that is it. It's like, but you know, but you have to, and that's the beauty of comedy or music, though, is like you don't even have to be like perfect like they are that because you're not gonna be yeah and then be ever you're only as good as you like and you just have to be the best you you can be yeah mr fucking rogers that's why comedy as as degraded as some people make it is very difficult yeah we can't just go up there and do the hits no especially like i mean technically i could because no one would know the difference (laughs) but and once you get to a level of fame, you can't just do the jokes everyone knows. Even people... Rick James! Yeah. Like, everyone always <laughs> yells that at Chappelle, and it's like, no. I mean, like, Adam Carolla even said, he goes, you can't, you know, as a musician, you can go up there and you can play, like, um, yeah. a cover or something. And he goes, and I can't go up it. there and do Bill Burr. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's no covering. It's uh, completely unique all the time, unless you hire writers. Yeah. Which, I mean, if anyone is hiring writers, I would like to make some money. I've got a lot. I'm a very good joke writer. But I'm not a very good, to me, and that's where I know my strength is writing for other people or just writing. That's why Twitter's fine. Yeah. But on stage, I'm like, I don't feel, I don't want to do that on stage. Oh, uh, really? Very much like, no, I'd the, rather the stage story is, tell. Uh, people mm. think I, I, I yeah. lie when I say it, but when I grab the microphone, uh, that is in that in that moment, mm-hmm. the most comfortable I'll be in the day. Yeah. Like, I, I will never be more comfortable than when I'm just on stage and I know I have, like, an hour to work with and I could just, you know, sit there with that crowd and just talk to them. That, that to me, is, like, that's where I have fun on. That's the yeah. best part to me. And I don't get wrong, I, I'm anal about my writing. Obviously, I tweet like a madman. I trim the fat on every joke. I really go over everything very particularly. But I just love... 
not giving a shit up there. That To me, that's the easiest part of life. Yeah, and to me, the only way for me to not give a shit is, like, to not really do a lot of my writing. It's so funny. It's like, no, then I just write jokes on stage with off people or riff off of people. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, can I even call this stand-up? I don't know. But it's one of those things that... Because I, I, I feel like if I read my jokes on stage, essentially, I'm just reading my Twitter. And yeah. I think that's where it becomes. It's like, eh. I used to hate doing yeah. that. And then I realized recently, especially uh, last or two nights ago in San Diego, where I was like, my Twitter's at a point now where a lot of them do come to shows. Mm-hmm. And so I'll take out, uh, I have a one-liner notebook or a notebook of jokes mm-hmm. that I know will work on stage for the most part. And I keep like uh, color code tabs in there on what I'm, I'll do and not oh, very anal over nice, it. Yeah. And uh, I recently had a bunch from Twitter in there and I was like, let's try it out. And then I realized that everyone in the crowd was from Twitter <laughs> and they loved it. They were yeah. like, oh my God, those are just those set out loud. And I was like, oh, so this, that's is, your doing the this hits. is this is great. That's my doing the hits. They've never been said out loud before, but they've been tweeted. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I personally think you know, the hardest part, the easiest part of stand-up is stand-up. Yeah. The hardest part is everything else that comes with it. Yeah. But obviously for some people that's not the case. But the for me, the business side is where I get most of my depression from. Yeah, because, you know, shocker, guys, it's a very depressing industry. Yeah. Because, and two, you do sort of have to be a little bit bipolar or depressed or things to be able to deal with it because you've been dealing with these skills of disappointment your whole yeah. life and taking things a certain way. And the weirdest thing about comedy is you have to be so connected to reality and see the truths of the world, but you also have to be so disconnected from reality that when you get multiple rejections in a day, you just take it as the norm and pretend it doesn't affect you. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing. You have to look at the actual truths of the world while denying painful things because you just can't. If if comedians took all the pain and uh, suffering that comes from the industry side and internalized it, well, I guess a lot of them yeah. do and they kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's just weird because you have to do two things that contradict each other at the same time just to maintain some balance of sanity. Yeah, and that's why only insane people do this. But it is one of those things yeah. that I um, have learned to just take the rejection as be like, okay, well, then you have to really think about it on the bright side of being like, look, well, maybe this wasn't for me. There's something 100%. better for me. I, mean, there I just have, have been, to lie to myself. <laughs> uh, there have been times where uh, I didn't get something the previous year and then got it the next year, and I was like, I'm so happy I didn't get it last year because I wasn't nearly as uh, comfortable in my abilities as I am now. I'm the same way. It's like there was an opportunity I got, and I was like, I think I got it at the right time. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. You just have to convince yeah. yourself that when something doesn't happen, yeah. that there is a reason. I mean, don't go wrong. There are some times where I don't get something. I'm like, I should have gotten that. And yeah, I'll be like, fuck them. I'll that just accept that I didn't. But uh, I think the biggest difference that I'll see in entertainers and actors and comedians would hate to admit that this is a truth. But everyone I've seen, it is a truth. The people who work, the hardest and create their own fan base are the ones who become famous. Well, and that's what I love about this industry, though. It's like, that's the good side of it. It, Because in most most industries, that's sadly not always the case. No, and in comedy, it wasn't. We had, you know, even when I started, uh, when I was 18, we had gatekeepers, you know? Your level of fame didn't depend so much. It, It Sometimes it still really depended on who would let you in, but... 
with the boom of Instagram and I mean obviously YouTube yeah. was around before I didn't stand up. I mean there's just so many avenues now where you can get famous first. Yeah. And then work on the rest, which isn't necessarily good for comedy. I think you need to find the good balance between both social media and actually being a good stand-up. Oh, yeah, because, too, like, some of the online content, but that's why it's going away, was not good content. There's just no. a lot of idiots who watched it. Yeah, to be honest, and even yeah. as of late, online content has become so much more funny because there's so much more of it that yeah. the standards are so high. Like, some of the tweets that I'll post onto Instagram that I think are really good tweets won't do anything that I expect them to because they just don't hold up to the other memes. Well, yeah, it, it's so weird how the, it works. Like, to me with Instagram, it's like, that that got all those likes? Why? That's just, yeah. it was just like, I was just baked as hell because I used one of those Kush <laughs> Queen bath bombs and I had a Korean body, uh, or a Korean little mask on and I'm like, my face is melting, I'm baked. <laughs> and I'm like, this gets the most likes? Seriously, this is stupid. Yep. While I well craft a joke on Twitter, nothing. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's... And there's never a rhyme or reason. Like, sometimes my best jokes from Twitter, I'll give it a try on stage and it'll fall flat. And I'll do it, you know, for two more months and it'll keep bombing. I'll be like, well, that only existed in the moment online. Well, and two, it is one of those things that I kind of like that, that live in the moment online because it forces you to do new stuff. And then also the fact that the mediums aren't even. It's like, okay, this may work on Twitter, but it doesn't work on Instagram, you know? So it forces you to have new skills. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, and I... uh, I, I try. Actually, I have no idea where that was going. <laughs> I lost a place on that. Yeah, I've been. Instagram's a new love of mine, so I've, yeah. I'm still getting used to it. I, I was never a big fan, and then I realized that just post funny screenshots of your tweets on there, and that's completely changed my career. Or I just use the bitmojis and then put a joke with the bitmoji that yeah. goes with it because I'm like, that's fun. Or like, I tend to, I think a lot, I'm like like a lot of observational humor and that's the only way I'll be because I'll like take pictures of funny or weird yeah. signs or things like that. Yeah. I find those do well. I was trying to do those and those weren't working. I think you just have to find yeah. what works. And then the yeah. memes came about and I mean, it's, I think I... From a following standpoint, it's increased, but from a, I mean, I've been offered you know numerous jobs from it. Really, just yeah. from Instagram. I need to do better on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I was out here for a week, and that's why I'm moving out here now because yeah. I got a job within a week of coming out here, and I was like, oh, well, wow. I guess I got to move. Yeah. And all because of memes. Yeah. Well, memes. Weird that's world. That's where it's at, guys. Apparently, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah, and yeah. I was so negative towards yeah. them. I used to see them on there, and I wouldn't read them. I'd be like, Who, who's doing this? And then I was like, all right this is where things are going. And it's, yeah. it comes back to the point of comedy is changing. I was like, viral content on Instagram is a thing that exists. And instead of shitting on it, just slowly start giving it a try and see if you could do it and if you like it. And it brought so much good into my life that I it it it's confirmed all of this new living of looking at things from both angles because yeah. I finally decided to be like, just give it a try. And it, it, was bring, it brought stuff to me that just wasn't happening as fast as I wanted it to. That's me. I'm like, oh, I guess I need to be making memes. I'm like, yeah. you changed my mind on that. Because I'm like, ah, oh, they're funny. but I'm like, Yeah, it's, it's funny to see because all of my friends like would make fun of me for it at first. And then they started taking off. And like, like the worst ones to them will still get like, you know, 650 likes, which oh, yeah. is good for me. And uh, now when I'll go on Twitter, uh, well, I'll go on Instagram. I'll see like 10 of my friends every day posting <laughs> screenshots of their tweets all the ones who were making fun of me were like, oh, no, he was onto something. Yeah. We got to do it. Mm-hmm. 
which is funny to eat their own words and I steal know. from me. Those bastards. Well, as we wind down this hour here, is there anything else you'd like to say about the bright side of mental health? I feel like I haven't done a good job of it. But... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think it's been a pretty good conversation. No, I think uh, it's just, like, what I try to tell people who are really going through difficult times, because I have a couple friends who are really struggling right now, is just, uh, there is, I hate giving people advice on it, because everyone finds their own way to cope. But then the downside to that is not everyone does. You yeah. Know, some people don't and they leave for permanently, yeah. you know, to put it for lack of yeah. better words. And uh, I think the point of, like, one, the point of your podcast is so important to mental health is just looking at things if you can. But if you can't, you just have to... I, I truly feel each of us have something that makes us happy. Even in my darkest times, there was always something that I slightly enjoyed. Yeah, or two, like, everybody has their own unique thing. And I feel like so many people now are more depressed because they're trying to be somebody else. It's yeah. like, you be you, and, and it's okay. Like, really. Yeah, and, like, the people who really, in, in this business, struggle with mental health, the problem is they feel like they need to keep pushing. And it's like, no, take that week off, yeah. you know? If you feel like you really need seven, if you need 14 days off, find a way to get 14 days off. Lock yourself in a room. I don't care what you got to do. I mean, uh, people seem to push off the mental health in terms of career and life. And unfortunately, sometimes it seems like you have to. But I think just put that above all else. I mean, yeah. we, we focus so much on, especially in comedy, making other people happy and this and that. But you can never really, you got to focus on yourself i think just yeah i had to take a break even self-care is so yeah. important yeah i mean just like my little things you know bringing weed back in yeah. looking at things differently writing more going out more walking a bunch just so many times when i was at my lowest of points i was like what thing can i do to make this better without realizing you have to take like 20 different little things yeah there's no actual step to cure depression i don't i don't think there'll ever be a there time where no i don't yeah. yeah there's never going to be a time where i wake up and i'm fully like oh i'm never going to be sad again but now at least i know a few things that i could do to yeah make it a little better and, and like you say a lot of it's the little things to me it was just it's like being able to get up and walk the dog every morning especially yeah. you know we both have senior dogs because that's not always <laughs> gonna be there like sorry. yeah because <laughs> when you focus on the big thing as being the redeeming yeah. factor in your mental health guess what after you get the big thing and, the big thing goes away yeah <laughs> and then like, you're yeah, back to it. yeah the small things are things you could do every single day yeah, and it's nice, you know, too, just taking a walk, being able to, like, or, you know, the weather around here is pretty nice. Oh, Enjoy especially it. Yeah. this December weather has yeah. been awesome. The nights are, like, 50 degrees. You can't beat it. No, I know. I can't wait to move because there's, like, a heated pool at my new place, and I'm just like, oh, my God, because swimming is one of my little yeah. small joys as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I just got a, in at our place in Jersey, we just got a hot tub. Oh, nice. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, everyone's like, you, you, you don't want to go back home? I was like... I don't, but I, there's a hot tub waiting, so yeah, I don't mind one that's bit. Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say. It, it, it doesn't even have to be those things, guys. Anybody can, uh, you know, you can get paid to walk other people's dogs or whatever. You just find the little things. Um, you can in New York. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing for comedians. They're oh, yeah. Everyone's a what, dog walker. They do a lot of them here, too. Yeah. yeah. You just find the little joys. Yeah. So, uh, you're a very busy man, so do you want to plug anything? Uh, I don't know. I'm doing a new yeah. album this year. I haven't figured out when. I'm uh, 
I mean, we have the record label. I think I'm going to release it on 420, maybe just be a hack and do that. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be funny to do a 420 release. And, oh, uh, yeah, I think that's funny. I'm planning on writing a big article with one of the uh, one of the brands that I'm thinking of working for when I move out here, of like a full comprehensive list of the best things to watch on streaming services while stoned. Oh, Because there's yeah. a few of those lists that exist, but they're always weed or... They're never like from the trippy side point. No. And, like, an actual stoner's viewpoint. So I'm just going to get baked and write this list. That's my big project right oh, now. Oh, that's funny. Because, yeah, that, like, to me, crap I like like that is more like to- see Thomas Howell in a mutant vampire zombies from the hood. Like, no one th- <laughs> would consider that a stoner yeah. movie. But getting high yeah, like, and watching that on Netflix I is posted awesome. the other day that I was stoned to watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, yeah. I know. And I was like, good Everyone choice. was like, some people were like, I didn't know there was a stoner movie. I was like. Anything Cartoon food is raining from the yeah. sky. What about this isn't a stoner movie? Yeah, it's like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That, <laughs> who do you think made that a stoner? Yeah. No, Most <laughs> no of one the, thinks of that. That's, the, that's been my favorite part of adulthood is realizing how many adults are actually just stoners. Yeah, like Spongebob. Yeah. You know, oh, that man. was stoner. R.I.P. Spongebob creator. Yeah, I know. Oh. Talk about the bright side is SpongeBob is on Hulu and Netflix, guys. I think. Yeah, the bright side yeah. is he created something good. <laughs> I know. It's like yeah, I know. It's like I I love uh, you know getting high and watching TV because Married with Children's on Hulu and that's like my favorite show. <laughs> Married Stone with Children's or not, is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh that's the one sitcom that you watch now and you're like this would not come close to flying today. Oh no! And the 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 most ironic thing I think about that is what so many people don't get. Is because most people would be offended because they're those characters. But the still, the best part about it is, is most of Married with Children was written and directed by women. Yeah. Primarily. And it's and, <laughs> and it's not exactly yeah. painting them in the best light. They they no. are calling them out on their bullshit. Yeah, and that's what I loved about the it. The same is with it all in the family. My grandparents yeah. loved that, which. Uh, on paper, did look like a racist show, but it was just no, it was an old good, white guy yeah. getting embarrassed for being racist. Yeah, and it's just like Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. That was sort of like along the lines of that, but it still had to be watered down. What I yeah. like is the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer. He's basically, you know, Archie Bunker in it, and it's amazing. Archie Bunker, what yeah. a character. Yeah. <laughs> My grandparents will show me old ones. Some of those episodes yeah. are so tough. It's so good, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's weird how uh, even like you watch some old episodes of The Office, you're like, what they're saying there couldn't happen right now. And, and the episode I don't where like Michael that. kisses Oscar. Yeah. That I don't think. Oh, that could probably still fly. But like, there's one where Michael calls Phyllis uh, when she's dressed yeah. as Santa. He calls her tranny claws. <laughs> that wouldn't work today. No, and and too, that's the thing I don't like. I don't think not all progress is progress, as Adam would say. Um, Papa Adam Carolla. And, yeah. It's like, yeah, like that's so true because the fact that joke is funny. It's still funny. Yeah. People get over it. Yeah, like I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't really get in. It's funny because a lot of times uh, since I'm connected, you know, I, I was a seller comic for a period of time mm-hmm. in New York, and that that name was always comes with you. There have been a lot of people who reach out for interviews about yeah. like uh, censorship and Louis and Aziz. And uh, it's so funny because every time... Aziz didn't do anything. I mean, and to me with Louie, I'm a little like... "Mm, Well, it's funny. The reporters are always surprised because I'm very much on the side of the people and not the comic. Oh, yeah. I I feel like each situation was poorly mishandled. And, uh, well, Aziz, that one I feel like he got... That's something I would... 
there's other stuff there that just doesn't need to be talked about. But oh, yeah, yeah, there's well, uh, and two, he has the stuff that came out was a nothing burger, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was stuff that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because it's it comes down to it's like I'm you gotta just change with the times, and so many people are yeah. like, well, do you think this censorship is bad? I'm like, yeah, I do, but I also you know at the end of the day, we don't do this for ourselves the people paying us are you guys so yeah and if they don't want to see it unfortunately as much as a comedian uh our job is to push the limits and it's not to really make people uncomfortable somewhere along the line that that became a thought but we're not a comedian if there's no audience and the audience is people that are not comedians yeah so it's this weird circle of where you know you do have to make some of these changes you know uh, well yeah they're I have no problem with making subtle changes, like certain words that are offensive, like, like you know, the the real F word now, yeah. because everybody can say fuck, but yeah. not saying that, I'm like, you know what, I, I can deal with that. Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah. there are levels, because it's that like, okay, that's associated like that. with this, and I can understand that point of view, and, and too, but as I say, like, with the Louis situation, like you said, the audience... But people went to see Louis, so he still got an audience, and that's why the seller made that choice. Uh, I mean, to me, that was know. the that yeah. was where I drew issue yeah. is that people didn't go to see him. He was a oh. drop in. Oh, he was a drop in. Yeah. Oh, I, okay, I, then that's not cool. My yeah. issue with the and I don't have an issue with the club per se, but the, yeah. I felt I always thought the right way. I thought the way they were going to do it was they were going to be like, "Hey, Louis's coming back tonight. If yeah. you want to see him, here's the chance." Because I feel like he still has a fan base that oh, would yeah. come see him. But also, then you eliminate the risk of a of someone who might be triggered from seeing something like that being in the crowd because you're letting him drop in and not giving the audience a chance to know. Yeah, see, I wasn't aware that it was just a but drop in. I now I think show, they yeah. warned the yeah. audience before. I don't know what exactly they're doing. I haven't worked there in quite some time. But yeah, that that's the way I feel like is. I think there needs to be a happy middle ground with the people and the comedians because yeah. sometimes we do do shit that we think's okay and isn't okay, like. To be honest, the Kevin Hart thing that everyone got up in uh, in arms for, those things he posted were not good. You know, he was just yeah. calling people that f word just to call them that. It wasn't like a good joke. And um, also, he he apologized yeah. and stepped down. It should have ended there. Yeah, too. The it fact that people kept up. poking at it, yeah. it was that stupid. Like, and too, I'm it, like that was his choice. Jokes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's it's. I just think. Uh, the, the division between comedian and audience hopefully gets resolved soon because it is very much a working relationship. We yeah. need each other so much. Oh, yeah, and that is the frustrating part sometimes, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, two, it forces you to be on your toes. And, I mean, and two. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've grown so much as a person just from, you know, genuinely hearing people out who have their perspectives on why this is or isn't funny. I try to take it all in because why not? You know, why not yeah. give this a chance? Who knows? You might if, learn something. Yeah, yeah, if you look at someone and what they find funny, you might be like, oh, wait, I actually think this is funny as well, and I could see why this would be not cool for them. It just, why not grow as a person? Yeah. Comedy it just happens to be the object I'm propelling through this space in. Why not work on the other stuff? <laughs> Comedy <laughs> is just what's taking me along the ride. The ride still needs to be maintenanced. 
I like that. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like we need to end on that. Yeah, so. that's a good stoner yeah, thing, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most brilliant thing I'll say, LJ. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm sorry. And then it's all downhill from there. Yeah, I'm not saying anything else good the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where can they keep up with the conversation with you on social media? At uh, Dan Lamort on everything. At D-A-N-L-A-M as in Mary O-R-T-E. All right, and since I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. See you next Tuesday. Bye.